Welcome to another episode of Don't At Me with Justin Simeon. Whatever freedom and white privilege you need to casually do cocaine, like, because it, I feel like you have to be mentally freer than black people are right now. You yes, can't just agreed. casually do cocaine the way white folks do. And so for those reasons, I'm just, no, thank you. In this episode, we've got Saturday Night Live writer and stand-up comedian Sam J. Join us as we get into how she found comedy, the importance of cannabis in our creative process, and her new Netflix comedy special, Three in the Morning. Especially when men see like a masculine woman, that's their favorite shit. They like to come like, I got the real dick. You know? <laughs> Fucking clown come, I got the real, I got the real dick. <laughs> and he jacks up the bag. And then he looks at me and he's like, now what? Like, nigga, get mine too. <laughs> you getting bags, get all the bitches bags. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Don't At Me. I'm your host, Justin Simeon. And with us today, we have a very special guest, Sam J. Originally from Boston, Massachusetts, Sam J is a writer comedian who in 2017 got her huge break writing for the comedy institution that is Saturday Night Live. I don't know why I did a weird voice there. She's been on the writing staff there since their 43rd season, has been featured on Comedy Central specials. Is that true? Yes, Comedy Central specials and Netflix specials. And now she's got her own Netflix special, Sam J, three in the morning. What's up, Sam J? What's going on? How are you? Why do you call it? I'm good. I'm really excited to talk to you. Why, why do you call it 3 a.m. in the morning? Why did I call it 3 in the morning? Um, Really just because I felt like that's when the hour got made. I felt like that's when I would be up late night at the cellar after set, arguing with comics, mm. arguing with Keith Robinson about who God knows what. Uh, you know, just kind of the <laughs> witching hour, kind of like... I stay up late. I'm a night owl. So, you know, that was usually how I'd be riding around in an Uber aimlessly, you know, just thinking about my set or breaking down jokes. It was the hour I usually got home and would argue with my girl for being out too late. Uh I just felt like it was, you know, (laughs) when the thing happened for me. So I just thought that that would kind of name encompassed like what it was for me. That's cool. And 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 do you like talking about it? I mean, like I, I, I try I try to imagine being in, you know, your shoes and I would get so annoyed at the thought of like, okay, I am basically taking a snapshot of my personality at a certain time, and then I gotta be that personality everywhere all the time, like until everyone sees that snapshot and then I can move on. Right. Does it feel like that? Like are you over the shit you talked about in the special already? Um no. Not over it. I'm not over it, but it is one of those things a little bit where like you you have to do it so much to get it yeah. to where you want it to be that like I don't want to watch it ever again. You know, <laughs> I don't mind dialoguing about it, but I don't ever want to see it again. Right. I, I feel that way about like stuff that I direct. Um by the time it comes out, I've seen it the shit so yeah. many times. Yeah. Like I don't see anything new in it and i hate myself and i hate myself yep 100 percent. i'm just looking at myself and i'm like what is so fucking stupid and like what is that self-hate about why is it a part of our process i don't know but i watch myself and i'm just like who do you think you are why (laughs) why do you think people should just listen to you talk like shut up and i'm just like this is it's it's terrible so i don't yeah i for sure don't want to see it ever again well i thought it was fucking great just fyi um 
And I'm just curious, like, how long does it take you to develop that material? Like, My you know, whole fucking life. Um, really? <laughs> I feel like it in some ways. I really do feel like it did. You know, I feel like everything that was on that special was a culmination of my entire life up until that point. Um, mm. And so in a, in the grand, the bigger scheme of the process, my whole life in the foot to the pavement, just beating it up like a year and a half. Okay. Okay. That's still though. That's a lot. Like I'm, I'm not the same person I was a year and a half ago. That's for damn well, sure. I kept growing, you know, yeah, like it started yeah. as one thing and it definitely ended as a whole nother thing. You know what I mean? And it kept growing and, and some bits hung around and just like grew into mm-hmm. bigger bits and some things got dropped. You know, I'm, I, I'm a person that I just drop things naturally. Like if I stop saying it, then it's cause I don't want to say it anymore. You know, yeah, kind of like edit themselves out of my act, and it's like in its own kind of natural way. So it definitely isn't the same set I was doing a year and a half ago, but that was the beginning of in my head. Let's build an hour. Right, right, and yeah, that's that's dope. It evolves over time. How did you how did you get into comedy? Like, how did this become you know your vehicle? Well, uh, I had I always was into comedy. I was like. When I was a kid, Eddie Murphy was like my favorite person in the whole world. I grew up, I grew a tail like he hadn't come into America. And I, oh my God, I did too. <laughs> I just like, I was just completely obsessed. And I loved Bill Cosby. I know that's like a curse thing you can't say, but I'm not going to lie about who I was. I loved I mean, Bill every, if you're a black person that was alive, right. I don't care if you were just born during the finale. Like you love Bill Cosby. Yeah, you love I the Cosby. Bill Cosby. And, um, but I loved like all comedies. I would watch Married with Children. I was just really into funny things. You know, I listened to the mm. Turkey Boys CDs and stuff like that. I was just really into funny things. Loved watching Comedy Central. But I never really thought it was something that like I could do. You know, I just mm. I didn't mm-hmm. really have any concept of that. I just was like, eh, that's cool. And then my cousin ended up uh, marrying this dude who was a local comic. So then I saw him. He did a show for kids, right? And he asked my two cousins to do the show. And he didn't ask me. And I was so bummed. I was so bummed. Oh, shit. That's how you knew. Damn, this is, I'm bummed, dude. You know? Wow. How dare you? I was super bummed out. Like, damn, I guess I just, I'm not good enough. But in my mind, I think I could be funny, you know? So wow, yes. kind of like when I really think about it, the first instance that anything inside of me was like, you want to do this thing, you know? And then when mm-hmm. I turned 20, I tried it. I had hit him up and I was like, hey, can I like follow you around and stuff? And he was like, for mm-hmm. sure. And it was me and my friend DJ Reason. And um, we were always super funny together. And I was like, dude, we can be fucking comedians, you know, like, let's try this shit. And it, I definitely needed a partner then at 20. I definitely wouldn't have like stepped out and did the shit on my own. And so me and DJ would like go to all these clubs and all these rooms and stuff. And I got up like once at this place called like Dick Doherty's like Comedy Vault. I might've did it like a couple of other times around the city, but I, I was just kind of getting my feet wet and I, I wasn't really that great at it, you know? It wasn't feeling like <laughs> it was supposed to feel. Like something about it, I it wasn't connecting. And right. DJ was like killing, you know what I mean? Like he was, and I was watching him and I'm like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. I'm like, that's not what you're mm. doing at all. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. then I got sick. I have, uh, I have lupus and I got sick. That was when I first found out I had it and I got very, very sick. 
And when I got out the hospital, I just got the hell out of Boston. I had a lot of family stuff, intention. I was like, I just need to get out of here. And I went to Atlanta. And then I was in Atlanta and I just was doing a bunch of other shit. I kind of just forgot about it, you know? And I just started doing a bunch of other stuff. And then I was about to turn like 29 and I was just kind of feeling like a loser, to be quite honest, Mm. and just being like, Mm. what the hell am I doing in my life? Like, I don't want to do any of the things I'm doing. Like, I'm working all these like, kind of mediocre jobs and like just jobs that don't really lead to anything and just feeling like the mundanity of life and all that shit just weighing on me and like feeling like I'm I'm getting to that age you know 29 it's like yo dude like if you don't start to like make some changes this is gonna be your fucking life you know what I'm saying like that kind of stuff kind of hanging over me and I was in my cousin's living room and I was talking about which one of my very early jokes, I was talking about being come on for the first time randomly. And like everybody- That's one does. <laughs> yeah, just randomly popped up. And everybody was dying, dying. And I was like, man, I just got to do this. You know, like I just got <laughs> I just got to try it for real. You know what I'm saying? And so I called my cousin's husband again and he told me about a mic. I went there, I got booed. And then yes. <laughs> I got booed, but there was this kid there and he told me about all the other mics in the city and I just kept going. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I think what I really responded to uh, in your special, too, is there's an audacity to your voice. It, it's like you uh, not only you're t- are you talking about things from a point of view that we're normally not hearing from, frankly, but you're also saying things that are not expected that I've not really heard before. I'm kind of skipping ahead my little my little notes here or bringing up the fact that, like, you know, <laughs> your joke about, like, sucking dick to fit in in particular, mm-hmm. like. fucking killed me because like I've never heard of sucking dick talked about in that way but you're right I'm a homosexual man okay and I don't enjoy doing it yet you know it's come up uh, one or or many many times um was that already like present with you there where you were, were you already kind of making a connection between like, okay, um, this is the stuff like, you know, this is the personal stuff or this is the truthful stuff that makes people laugh or this is the dirty stuff or like, were you, how were you kind of sorting it out at that time? Um, when you say at that time, what do you mean? When you were, uh, just starting to kind of hit the, the open mics around the city and kind of work with your material. You know, you know, I was just saying whatever the hell I wanted to say, bro. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> like I, I was doing jokes about Ninja Turtles and then like I was just doing jokes about fingering girls. I was just like up there happy to be talking, man. So I was yeah. just like saying whatever was on my mind that day. It was like such an exciting time. I, I truly miss it because I was just so excited to tell jokes, dude, that I would be like writing while I was at work. I would just be writing jokes the whole day. And I was just like, I can't wait to get to an open mic and just like say this stuff, you know? It was that like new love for it where you're just like, it's just like a girl. You just want to like fuck her all the time. You're just like, oh my well, God, oh my that's God. What, that's what I hear is the <laughs> response. But I, you know, I'm still working on it. I haven't felt that way yet about a girl. Also, I'm sorry but that I'm, I'm working on it. all over your podcast, but. Are you fucking kidding um, me? I love it. When I said, when I said you are like my people, I mean that shit. Okay. Like, please feel free to say anything you want on this podcast. <laughs> So how did you get to SNL? Man, in the most 
randomness of ways, you know? Like, I really never thought about... I never thought my personality fit that show. Or in this, mm. my style of comedy, you know? Because it's like NBC. And, you know, not for nothing. It's, it's a white space in a lot of ways. And oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> a, very, like, a very safe space. And I'm a very, like, walk-you-to-the-edge type of person. Yeah, yeah. And so I just never even considered anything like that. Plus, I don't do sketch, you know? So all of that is like, meh, whatever. But I did JFL uh, when I, my first year, and I got um, new faces. Mm. And I did JFL, and I had a very good new faces showing, um, okay. which was like a big deal to me. I was just like, I just, I, that was all that was in my head that year was like, just go to new faces and fucking crush it. And and I don't and I don't want to be dumb for asking, but what is JFL? Okay, so no, this is not dumb. This is the point of these things. I don't know learn, things, Sam. But it's I fine. Don't know things. The whole point is okay. like I'm going to learn your world. You learn my world. You know, that's what we do. Okay, I feel safe now. Yeah, I you're good. Okay. I, okay, cool. <laughs> JFL <laughs> is uh, this giant comedy festival. It's called Just for Laughs, and it happens in Montreal, Canada, and it is the biggest comedy festival in the world. And so they right, bring right. everybody from like everywhere. It's like a month long deal and new faces is like the deal. Like it used to be back in the day, like if you were like a Montreal new face, you could like walk out with a TV deal. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm, 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 so it's mm-hmm. like this one showcase in the whole thing that is like, here are the new people of comedy and like all the industry shows up to the showcase. It's in a theater and it's like the entire comedy industry is watching you at once. You know what I'm saying? So it's like pressure on type shit. You feel me? But with the JFL and I crushed it and there were some producers from SNL in the audience and they saw me and they asked if I would audition in LA and I did. And I just did stand up again and they liked it and they brought me out to New York. And then I did the very awkward audition in eight. H where like Lauren and everyone in a corner and you're just on the stage feeling weird as all fucking get out. And I be funny. Yeah. You know, which is like such a, like, it's such a shitty thing because it's like, it's hard to do it in that space. But I do think like, they're not wrong for doing it that way. You just, I feel like people don't tell people enough that you can also create, you can create the energy you want even in those spaces. Like, cause I remember mm. they had like brought us down to the, to where all the dressing rooms were. And I was just like, this is such a nerve wracking situation. <laughs> you know, like this is yeah. going to drive me up a fucking wall. And this is not how I do shit. You know what I mean? So I like yeah, yeah. I was just like, hey, can someone text me around my time? I'm gonna get out of here. And like, I just walked <laughs> around and like just did something else because I was like, I can't sit in that. I'll go fucking nuts, you know? Right. But I did the audition and it went well. And then they offered me a writing job. Wow. So how does that work? So okay, so you're heading into SNL. Um, I have to, I, I feel like this is probably during a time when they're being criticized for a lack of diversity. I mean, you I get that like, job. What's that? I don't know if it was, I feel like that was like the Sashir years. I feel like they had kind of turned the corner on that a little bit when I got there. Okay. Okay. So you're, but so you're arriving at what I think, and listen, I watch SNL, but I think of SNL as, as like a, an analogy for like white institutionalism in the sense that like, you know, there are cool liberal funny, progressive people involved who are creating culture, but it's still white. Mm-hmm. It's still very white over there. Mm-hmm. And um, what did you feel like was your job there? Like, were you trying to like 
fall into the SNL establishment or were you trying to push at the edges or were you just trying to pay your rent? Like, how was that? I mean, first landed? I went, I never, I never do any, I try not to do anything for money. I really, really, yeah. really don't with this, you know, I feel like I spent a whole mm-hmm. lifetime just doing things I hated for money, but I yep. truly, when it comes to my comedy, I'm super precious. And I've always told myself like, never let money be the driver. So I did, I took the job because I thought I could learn from it. I thought I could grow. And I thought that there was a lot of value in the experience and I, it was going to make me a better comic and a better writer and just an overall better, you know, uh, comedian, you know, in all different aspects. That's why I went there, you know? And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, when I got there at first, you know, I feel like I thought I was supposed to be a bunch of things. I didn't really know. Cause it was such right. a like jarring. I've never been here before experience and I've never done that job either. You know, I've never written yeah. a sketch. I had never written a sketch before I got there. So right, right. when I got there, I was like, oh, maybe they want me to be the the political person but with the black point of view. And I was just <laughs> doing all this like goofy shit, to be quite honest, and writing <laughs> sketches that it was like it was laborsome to, to write them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was all a part of finding my sketch voice, which I didn't know what it was at all because I had never mm-hmm. done it. So I was kind of like and then I was doing these like. Like oh, like these like pieces where I'm like commenting on color, but I'm trying to be like sneaky about it, and I'm like yeah. in the lead, and it's just like it's all bad, you know. And so <laughs> <laughs> finally, like I just I started to just like write what made me laugh, <laughs> and like got mm. out of my own way in a lot of ways, and I found that like my sketch voice is like super goofy, and it's it's super silly and. I, and I feel like what I add to the show is just another perspective. I don't even feel like it's, I don't do any specific job. I just bring who I am to the pot. Right. Uh, everyone else I think that's who they are, you know? I, I think that's great. What, is there a, sp- a particular sketch that stands out in your memory as like, oh, uh, this was a turning point for me, or this is what I'm especially proud of? Yeah, uh, it got cut. <laughs> At, at dress, <laughs> what I would say was a turning point is uh, me and Gary Richardson, who is another uh, black writer at the show that I write with a great ton, a great deal, one of my good friends. We wrote this sketch called Durag Kingdom, which uh, <laughs> was, uh, based around Empire. So it was the same structure of a family as Empire, but they were a Durag Empire. They had made all their money. Off of oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all had different do names like Dukeem. Oh fuck! And that is so good. And Dookie and Douches. And that is so good. And I feel like so often at work, sometimes like there'll be these sketches that go up and like not for nothing, like all the black people in the room are kind of like, we don't get it. You know what I mean? And like the room is like going nuts and we're just like, okay, <laughs> I get the thing. And that uh, sketch was the first time where all the black people were dying and <laughs> everybody else in the room was kind of like, what's happening here? Oh my God. And I, like, oh, and I totally, that's, that's, that's what watching SNL feels like too with friends, I have to say. I was like, oh, that's my voice right there, you know? Wow, that's fucking cool. And I love that you identified your voice in a sketch that got cut because mm-hmm. I'd be, I be feeling the same I'd be feeling the same way. Like my favorite shit I've ever done as a director, like no one has seen, like it was extraneous or it didn't tell the story or it didn't move something along or whatever. And so now it just lives in a bin. I, I, yeah. But I love that you, you still 
think of it because I think oh, those experiences are important, you know, even if they're not. time. I had the the costume department full of white women researching what do-rags look like. <laughs> make all these do-rags. It was beautiful. I was like, this is great. That, that is beautiful. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Um, who, who are the other work boos? You mentioned Gary Richardson. I love him to death. Uh, yes. Amy Bryant is a, a damn gem. She's just oh good because I love her best. She's so damn funny and so down. Oh, like one of my favorites. like sometimes me and Gary will really take some big leaps. <laughs> and <laughs> Adi is always like, "I got y'all. I'm down. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm down to go in there and try to like really do this shit." Beck too. Beck Bennett is another person who's like that. Like, oh nice. We wrote this nice. uh, one sketch where he was a white Medea. So the whole sketch is like just talking like Medea, but it's like white problems. So like the daughter's not getting into Harvard and they're a legacy family and they're having like a dinner to try to convince the the oh dean God. to let her in. And so the dean is a black person being like the straight white person in the Tyler Ferry uh-huh. movies. And then uh-huh. Beck's just like full Medean. And oh my we get God. it all over to Beck and he comes to us and he's like, so do you guys like, really want me to talk like this? And we're like, (laughs) yes, we do. He was like, okay, okay, I got you. I'm going to do it. And we're like, and then he killed it. It was so fucking funny. Um, I I love it because you're twisted. Yeah, I am. That's so good. (laughs) I love that. No, I fucking love that. That's dope. So yeah, Kyle, Kyle Mooney is, uh, I like everybody I work with in a very genuine way. And I know that sounds cheesy, but I really do. There's not a person there that I don't like or enjoy writing with or enjoy doing sketches with like not seriously. There's not a person in the building. So did when, how long did it take you then to get into your flow there? Like, you know, you got there, you were overwhelmed and then you kind of turned this corner. Like how long did that take? Cause people think, you know, this shit is instant. <laughs> and I, I you know. failed. I failed for a whole season. I feel like, I feel like I didn't turn a corner until the end of my first season. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my first sketch on until like March. It was rough. Wow. It was rough. Wow. It was rough. And I don't feel like I felt like I knew what I was doing for real until yeah. the middle of my second season. And then right, I was like, right. oh, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're not I mean, like, I, shooting. Isn't that true? Isn't that true for anybody that ever works in TV? Like, is there any like showrunner or creator or actor that just feels like they crushed it before season two? I I don't know that there is. It was just like, it was rough. And it was like, it was, was, I cried a lot my first season. I was just. Damn, everybody cries there. I was just doubting every ability I had. I was just like, I'm not good at anything. I don't even understand this world. It's tough. It's like, it is comedy boot. It's like boot camp. It is. It's not. For the faint of heart, like they throw you in the yeah. water and they're like swim or drown, and that's about it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's not because people yeah. are mean. I feel like people hear that type of stuff about SNL and they're like, it's just a mean, competitive place. I never felt that way. I never felt like anyone mm-hmm. was mean. I never even felt like anyone was particularly competitive against me. I just felt like everyone had important shit to do, and they couldn't really be concerned with what I had going on. And mm-hmm, as much mm-hmm. as they could help. They did, but everyone's also trying to like create their own thing, and we're doing a new thing every week. So I don't think right. people realize that. Like all the sketches that don't 
we write maybe 40 sketches and you see what 10, you know, mm-hmm. and like from the read to the dress, you're thumbing out maybe 15, you know what I'm saying? So, and then we have to do that again the next week. We don't just take those sketches from last week and be like, well, what about, no, you have to write all new ones. So it's like very intense in that way. And so people, a lot of times are just like moving and trying to get stuff done. And so they're just not right. thinking you know what I'm saying? But I never yeah. felt like I couldn't go to someone for help. I never felt like people weren't supportive. I just felt like, yo, you got to figure this out. And it was just a tough learning curve. Yeah, I feel that. That's for sure. I mean, there's nothing easy about TV. Okay. <laughs> no matter what side of it you're on, there's nothing easy yeah. about it. Okay, so I'm going to name some drugs. Uh, naturally, um, Ooh, on, only I think only one, maybe two of them are illegal. Um, but I would like you to talk to me about what role, if any, they play in your creative process. Okay. Because as a as a writer, filmmaker, I have to be honest. Like there are certain drugs that I don't know if I could really do it without. Sure, um, for sure. First drug on my list is sugar. How do you feel about the sugar? I could do without sugar. Really? Yeah, I used to be a real sugar kid. I used to eat so much candy and stuff. Same. And, and I, I still And am. now I'm just like, well, I think because I'm a woman, I've matured faster than you. And that's true. I, no, that's, that's <laughs> true. No, no, that's I, definitely true. <laughs> but I, I just uh I don't know. I just kind of grew out of the sugar thing. Oh my god, there's these Starburst jelly beans that I can't stop buying, and I really feel like an addict. Um, because there's just bags of them everywhere. Okay, anyway, well, I have uh, candy. But it's not like huh? I have candy in my house. Like I have some gummy worms, but it's not like I need it. You know what I'm saying? I don't go crazy okay. over it anymore. I'm just like, whatever. Well, well, when you're ready to share that knowledge base with me, I'm, I'm <laughs> receptive. Um, okay, next drug on the list is caffeine. No. Really? I don't know. I don't drink coffee. You are a wonder kid. Nah, How do nah. you do all of this shit without coffee? I don't. Like, if I drink coffee, it's very rare. And it's like, <laughs> I've got to be up for two days type stuff. Or I'm on set and I've been up all night doing stand up. But like, it's still super rare. And when I do it, I have to drink it like espresso shots only and straight up like medicine because I hate it. So it's really okay, like, just so- put this in my body because this is going to work. But even that, maybe twice a year. What? What? Okay, so it's behind emergency glass. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really envy both of your answers. And I worked uh, so at far. I worked at a Starbucks for a long time. I didn't drink. I don't wow. drink coffee. I just didn't get into it. Wow, it is it is one of those things where you kind of have to get into it. Like whenever I've given up coffee and I start drinking it again, I am kind of like, why the fuck did I ever drink this? <laughs> but then I'm I'm addicted like within a couple days. So then I stop asking yeah, questions. Yeah, it was never one of those things. I was like. I'm grown now in coffee, you know? I was just like, oh, Damn. I don't like how this tastes. <laughs> I just didn't do it. Film school fucked me up because that was like the first time in my life where like I was like, oh, I, I the only way to do this shit is to like not sleep for several what? days. So what, I, what did you go to? I went to Chapman University okay. and um, and you start shooting films your first year there. And so, uh, you know, I'm also like kind of lazy by default. Like I have to really like work myself up to like be super productive. And that was like the first time in my life I had to do that on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And mm-hmm. that's when that's when the caffeine came into my life and uh, took a hold. Um, OK, next drug, cannabis. It is extremely important. Right? <laughs> Extremely 
important. Okay, uh, talk to me. Talk to me. I mean, How is it important for you? I think I don't know, dude. It's I feel like it one, it's just it's expansive. It's an expansive drug. And I'm a thinker. I like to think. I think some people don't like weed because it makes you think a lot. And some people like that's too much. Now I'm entertaining mm-hmm. too many things. But I am a I love to think. I love to entertain a ton of shit. So for me, it being expansive where I'm not like anxiously thinking, but I'm just like, whoa, man, the world is vast <laughs> and there's a lot to consider is a perfect mental space for me to like write in. Mm-hmm. And you get that philosophical sense from your work, I have to say. I think that's probably why I fuck with it so much is because you're like, you're asking questions. Sometimes I don't even have answers. <laughs> oh, a lot, most of the time. Which I love. And so, okay. So, are, are, so okay. So, and I'll, I'll throw my my dirt in here too, yeah, in case you know. you're feeling shy. But like, um, you know, like I, I used to have a rule that I would never be high ever while I was writing. And then I wrote like the best monologue of my life. High, unexpectedly. I just like smoked, I smoked a sativa instead of an indica. And when I thought I was going to go to bed, I had a monologue for the gods. And so... <laughs> <laughs> that monologue ends up in season two of Dear White People. Uh, and ever since then, it's like, you know, I don't ever like sit down to write and and like light up and, you know, but I need time to like watch movies high and to like sit around just high with like a notebook and shit. And like that has yeah, to happen yeah. at some point in, in my process. And there's nothing wrong um, with that. And it's like lame for people to try to make that a thing that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally only helped me. Um, okay. <laughs> What about mushrooms? I mean, you know what? I like them to be around. Like, there's, I have some right now. Is it like Ooh. a thing I need to do like all the time? No, it's a newer thing for me. Like, it, in the last, when I started becoming like LA Sam, you know? And right, I'm like, right. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm comedy Sam and I'm like going to these festivals and all this stuff. Definitely got introduced. It wasn't a thing like, my niggas ran away and not doing shrooms. You know what I'm saying? So no, it wasn't nobody. A, it wasn't a thing. I, it's a thing I discovered that I thought I would never do because I was like, that's a white boy drug and it sounds crazy. Yes. And I thought I would never do it. And then I did it. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah, because let me tell you something. The first time I did it, I I wrote a gospel. Sam. <laughs> like I wrote a personal <laughs> fucking gospel and I still have it. And I'm telling you, like every ever time, so often. Every time you do <laughs> drugs, you go Jerry Maguire, bro. You get- <laughs> Like it goes, I'm like you, I get very intense. Like if, you know, if it's like, oh my God, we're going to watch a movie, bitch, I'm going to watch this movie. Okay. I'm going to have thoughts about the subtext and the color and the length <laughs> and all this shit. But like, yeah, I, I wrote a gospel. It was like so hmm. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I like them. I will say that. So this is the last drug. I don't really. There's no judgment. I just I I never got it. But what what about the cocaina? Never done it. I've never I done it. I, did, I did her once. I didn't. I didn't love her. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm afraid of it. I'm not gonna lie. I just yeah. I'm scared of it. I just feel like then I'm doing drugs. Like and I right. Even, and I've even done Molly. And I'm like. That's okay. That's also like, yeah. that's twice a year. Don't, you can't be a crazy person. But I feel right. like if I do cocaine, I'm on drugs. And then I also just feel like crack <laughs> people don't bode well. We always end up on crack. It's like it we always just seems. It turns to crack. This, we just don't. Yeah, it's not for us. It's not for us. It's true. 
It's true. It's very true. Whatever it's freedom like, and white privilege you need to casually do cocaine, like, because it, I feel like you have to be mentally freer than black people are right now. We can't yes, just agreed. casually do cocaine the way white folks do. And so for those reasons, I'm just, no, thank you. You're out for now. I get that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I can't say I disagree. <laughs> I did it one time. I did it one time. I didn't, un- I did not understand the hype. I felt that drip in the nose was very uncomfortable and, um, you know, thank you and have a nice day. But I, I you know, look, I know a lot of people that enjoy her. So I'm I do. Them. And I'm not uh, ever mad at it. Cause I'm like, if you can make it work for you, by all means, <laughs> go ahead. I just, make I, it work. Boo boo. Yeah. I just can't. I just, mm. I know it's not for me. Right. Okay, so we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about your special. I'm dying to get into it. All right, so we are back. Okay, so we're going to start our next segment with um, something we're trying to make a thing called At Someone, um, where my guest gets to shout out to someone who might need some shine right now, uh, whether that person may be on social media or not. Um, do you have somebody for me today? I do. I want to at Gavin Matz. He's a comic. He's from Canada, and he's just so funny to me. And he's ballsy. He's dangerous. He's a dangerous kid, and I like that. <laughs> I like that too. Awesome. Thank you for that. All right. So I want to start off the conversation because you said something that was actually kind of on my mind to ask you. And I kind of asked it earlier, but um, I don't think I fully had it formed in my head right. But like you talked about like LA Sam and comedy Sam. Like, what's the difference between Sam on stage and Sam in life? Like, What's the what's the you know the Sam in life who's like oh my god I hate watching myself sounds totally different than the Sam on stage who's like you know saying the things you're saying. <laughs> Weirdly, I don't think they're that different. <laughs> I think oh really? I don't. I don't really find that much of a separation. You know, I I think that I'm very vulnerable on stage and I'm very much like who I am and what I think. You know what I'm saying? That it doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. feel it doesn't feel like another being i think maybe the only thing is like um maybe more personable and i'm a mm. little more introverted in my actual yeah i can see that stuff like i'm a little more like mm, you know i'm chilling you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah do you think do you think you're an introvert generally speaking i don't i don't like to say that because i think that's a very real thing that people really are and then people kind of throw it around <laughs> And right, I'm right, not right. for real. Like I go out and shit and I don't, you know what I mean? But I am a, I am a, I'm a moody little bitch. You know, I'm a Capricorn. I'm moody. You have your limits. I have my limits. And when I get in my little moods, I'm in my moods. And I, if, and I can spend a lot of time alone and be okay. Right, right. Alone time um, doesn't well, frighten me or bother me. Yeah, I'm definitely an introvert because everyone who's like crawling out of their skin because of the lockdown, it's like, I got to get outside. I, I can't relate. Like, right. I am so happy staying in my house. <laughs> it's weird because um, it's like, how do we go out again? I saw someone tweet. She was like, people want to get out. And I'm wondering if I'll ever be able to go out again. And it's kind of true because it's like now that I'm in my bubble, I'm like, ooh, if I go out there, bro. It's it's I get crazy. tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I've had to go out to do various things like get groceries and like 5 minutes outside and I I really can't do it. <laughs> like I don't know when we start having to shoot movies and TV shows and shit again. I really don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like some of these drugs we mentioned might have to 
come back into the diet. Um, okay, so the first thing I got to ask you about is because um, one, I'm inspired by your love. Um, how how long have you guys been together, you and your lady? Wow, me and my girl have been dating off and on for ten years. I met my girl in wow. college. Oh. That's like five million. Wait, you said over ten. She's in the kitchen getting something to drink. Yes, <laughs> kitchen. Yeah, like 11, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's so long in a gay long years. Time. A long time in gay years, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and so how does it work? You know, relationship stuff becoming material for the stage, and like, how does that? Do you have to like vet it with her, or is she just like, I don't know what's going to be said tonight? How does that work? I vet it through her for the most part, and especially if it's super personal, you know, like yeah, I don't yeah. ask her because I like I'm trying to be respectful and like keep my keep my love thing together. You know what I'm saying? So yes, so yes. like yeah, I'll definitely, I know exactly what you're saying. I'll ask her. I'm like, is this cool with you? But I, I honestly, there hasn't been a thing that I've asked her that she said. No. And if I'm being honest and she's never said it, I think some stuff she has been uncomfortable with, but like she respects me as an artist so much that she's like, bitch, I know you need to do this. Like, right. I know like you need to process in this way. And she kind of just lets me go. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I want to get back obviously to sucking dick to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I was so blown away by the way you put that <laughs> and about the idea of like it not even being an expectation that sex would be enjoyable to you at first. Like, where did that what do you make of that? I don't know. Actually, you just laid something out that I didn't even think about. But yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't think about that part of it. I was just I wasn't thinking about it from that angle as much as I was just like. When you're young, you'll you just care about fitting in, and then like, really, the shit you're doing is secondary. But I didn't mm -hmm, even hit mm -hmm. the other layer. You just hit another layer on me, bitch. I didn't even hit the. Layer. I think you. I think uh, you hit me with the layer though. It was inspired by the things that you said. Yeah, I didn't think about that layer of just like. Also, I had no expectation to like it because I wasn't doing it to like it. <laughs> I right. was doing it. That's very. True. I was told this would this would that's improve my social standing. Yeah, that's very true. Never even thought about it. I also live for the fact that you brought up thinking about mortality during intercontinental flights because I thought I was the only one who oh, like thinks about it every fucking time. All the time. It's it's really like one, I'm just like a person that thinks about death. I lost my mother young and I think that kinda happens mm. for kids who who kids who that happens to. I think we all grow up to be these type of adults that are 100%. Little, like, whoa, you know? So yeah, I, I lost my dad. At, I lost my dad at six. So I lost my I know mom exactly at what you're talking about. So, wow. and I'm wow. very sorry to hear that, bro. Me too. Me too. As a parent, yeah, it's it's wild, you know, and and uh, so I'm always just thinking about it anyway. You know what I mean? I'm just like, it's always kind of right there for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So on a flight, I just Ugh. feel like I'm being so ballsy. You know what I mean? I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you already know like anything could kill you like you are being a ballsy bitch up here so my brain just goes like nuts it truly goes nuts, nuts. I, it's going it's going nuts because your body knows something's wrong yeah. like you're you're in a you're in an aluminum can like and literally just animals and i think as people we forget that like yeah. you're animals at the end of the day and your animal instincts are going to kick in. You know what I mean? You take a cat, put a cat in a can and throw it in the sky. Cat's going to freak out. 
it's gonna freak the fuck <laughs> out because every part of it knows this is not yeah, supposed to be happening. Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also love um, Trump as the first nigga president. You know, it's a we made a joke in our third season of Dear White People where we cast Flavor Flav as a, as like an alternative president of the United States. Um, but I feel like when you bring it up in your show, it is so. It's just like, it's just such a perfect joke. It's like, it's just a perfect fucking insight to this moment. Um, where where did that come from? Is there anything else you want to speak on that topic? Uh, well, if you watch my Comedy Central half hour. Oh, and by the way, this will come out after it's 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 airing. So everyone, if you haven't watched it, go watch it now. I'll add a spoiler alert at the top. <laughs> so my Comedy Central half hour is like, I did it like four years ago or something like that, right? Okay. And if you see that, then I start to talk about like Trump's just like a rapper and like, you know, he's just grab like when he was running, I'm like, he's just like grab right. dick his whole way through this thing. You know what I'm saying? And like one of the jokes I was saying, like he he got the he got the nomination from his party just by like di- like he just called, you know, Hillary a ugly bitch. He just said this dude got a little dick. Like he wasn't doing none of the debate shit get up <laughs> yeah. and just be like his dick little you gonna vote for a little dick nigga that's crazy you know what i'm saying it was just like <laughs> what a way to handle this so it was kind of like already turning and then the early like iterations of the joke was just uh you know that he was our first nigga president with a conundrum and i've and i've heard other comics mention like trump's a nigga look how he treats his wife or trump's mm-hmm. a nigga look at this look at that but I was really like the way he handles policy is is the niggish the most niggish thing about him to me because he doesn't think about it in the sense of I am at a job running the country he's just up in there like all right well, how is this going to affect me if it yep. ain't really I don't <laughs> give a fuck you know what I'm saying like whatever and I just thought that was such a wild approach to this whole thing I mean, what? look, I just have to ask it because and I almost hate myself for doing so. But what do you what do you think about Kanye? I feel like black people ask oh each other this God. question a lot in private yeah. and especially in front of other people. You, but what do you think about Kanye? Why are you doing this to me? This is so, I'm sorry. No, it's OK. It's such a hard it's a hard thing because I love Kanye and I know. I Of course. And I know I'm like a, a not a popular opinion these days. And I'm like, I'm never going to let him go. You know what I mean? I'm never gonna let him go. Like I know that. I know that it is. Someone needs to hold him. So I'm, I appreciate I am, that. Like devoted. You know what I'm saying? And I know. Yeah. I know my baby's going through some things, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gonna come back to us, man. It's just. You think so? I don't. I do, man. I hope so. I, okay. I okay. Know. I hope so. Cause I really. Okay. He Kanye changed my life. I would. I don't know how I could ever be like fuck Kanye or because like. Without college dropout, man, I'm seriously not doing this shit. Right. I, look, I feel the same way about the music. I feel the same. Life, man. That is a fact. I, you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like black people have to deal with this issue in a different way than white people. Because yes, it's like. Yes. Yes. Well, like when we have heroes, it's not just we love the music and like we think they're fabulous. No, like they make us feel like we can exist mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. And so when they end up being crazy or, you know, raping people, like, it's very difficult to process. Yeah, it's like his music, his music, like, showed me a way where I didn't see any way. You know what I'm saying? When they were, yeah. I don't even, I don't see a way out of any of this. 
his music was a way out of it. And like, I can't, for that reason alone, it's like, nah, I can't, I can't not fuck with yay. I just wish he wouldn't speak so much. Or run for president, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like people shouldn't entertain that, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like we shouldn't be talking about yeah, That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's already kind of been mentioned that he's probably in some type of bipolar situation right now. And I feel like right, right. also a, a, a level of the, the, the race issues in this country when it's like they're not reporting Kanye West, who's bipolar and sick, maybe doing something bipolar and sick. They just right, like, no. he's president. But like when Britney was going ham, yeah, they were saying yeah. he was going ham, but they were also telling the other side, you know? And I just think- They were contextualizing her. Right. That's, that's really brilliant. They were that's contextualizing her and they're not doing that with this man. They just painting him a lunatic and I don't I don't particularly care for it, you know? I just think mm-hmm. it's a whack. Mm-hmm. I think he needs help and I think we shouldn't be even entertaining it the way we are. I feel like I feel like black people in general, like we have a, you know, when like somebody in the family is sick, you know what I'm saying? And they might be a little bit they might say some shit here and there, but like we understand it. I don't know. There's something about that for me that like I was raised around. I don't know. I was also raised Catholic. So all bets are off, actually. (laughs) You did? Yeah. Yeah, Shit. Who knows what's going on in my gay mind? But um (laughs) But, you know, that this sense that, like, I can, I both, I know what it means to love a person and love what of them is divine and beautiful and special yeah. and amazing, but also recognize when there is an illness present and, you know, yep. we ha- but we have to account for that illness, but it's not like they're, let's just cancel their whole lives. Yeah. It's just they have, you know, yeah. I just feel like I grew up knowing how to do that a little bit yeah. in a way know, that I don't know. That. And we know he's sick, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So look, not not to shift topics oh. too quickly, but uh, I want to throw in a, a question from um, our Instagram fans. This one is from EC Marur. Okay. That's I'm sure perfectly how to pronounce your name. He asks, what was the first joke that you ever told, Sam? The first joke I ever told? Ever. I, you've, of course, written it down. No, no. What? The first joke I ever told. Or maybe a first, like maybe yeah, like the first I mean, on stage. Or... Oh, I used to tell this joke. This is like one of the first jokes. I used to tell this <laughs> joke about how like the it was a ninja turtle. It was about the ninja turtles. That's that was what was important to me at the time. Um, about how like Splinter is actually a bad person. Because <laughs> he was just like making these turtles like live out his ambitions, and yes. it didn't really have anything to do with his problems with Shredder. Like that shit went all the way back to the old country. It had nothing to do with them at all. And, <laughs> and like how Raphael was like a real nigga because he just didn't want to do Splinter's bidding, and they would make right. it like, "Why are you just taking a walk?" And he's like, "Nigga, because I could walk, and I don't want to just be down here in this nigga's dojo fighting this nigga. I don't know." Oh. <laughs> That don't I don't even care about, bro. Like that's crazy. So he would just be like, "I'm gonna just go link up with Casey Jones and take a stroll," and they would make act like act like he was. Oh my god, Casey Jones! Oh my god, <laughs> like he was doing Fucking something forgot. so wrong. I just always thought that was fucked up. Like, bro, you just made you found these baby turtles and just made them fight your battle. That is so fucking true. And it's like, just because we're both mutants, we just have you just have to do what I yeah. say. That doesn't make sense. Nah, that ain't right. Be honest with you, the X Men suffers from the same yes. thing because. 
y'all are being told that y'all are going to school. Right. <laughs> we are being put in very dangerous situations. Yeah, and he's just like, go fight this person and, and, and lay on a nuclear bomb. Like, bro, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? I came here to learn to fucking freaking door, bro. I want my bachelor's I degree. Want my, <laughs> like, I want to buy some pants. Okay, so I feel like again, I don't know. I I get the I get questions about intersectionality a lot um, as a gay black, but uh, I'm going to perpetrate the same thing onto you and ask you about identity and being gay and black and all that fun stuff because I think um, I have to say I'm just so inspired by the way you navigate the world and the way you present not just yourself in those terms, but like. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like you being yourself and telling Ninja Turtles jokes and telling like, you know, saying it the way that you particularly see it to me is like very revolutionary. So if you don't mind, um, I I would love to just hear a little bit more about your um, evolution of your own identity and sort of like, you know, I think I I think I heard somewhere that you, you know, you kind of went from like, God damn it, gay people. There's like way too many terms. And then, you know, sort of now you're like, okay, no, this is actually this is very helpful. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, I I always say, like, I'm not going to lie or pretend that I didn't come from, like, for lack of a better word, a straight background. You know what I'm saying? Well, hold on. Can we pause here? Because I have to say, I haven't said it yet, but, like, good God, you came from Boston. Yeah. (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) I I came from a very, like, straight environment and a straight background. And for all purposes really thought I was straight. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. It like never occurred to you. No. So once I'm like out and I'm living as gay, I'm not not carrying some of those ideals. That would be a lie and impossible. You know? Right. And 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 also in the search for defining myself, I'm hearing all these like and I'm a person that's like gets annoyed with that in every in every way. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm learning that my annoyance isn't with the amount of labels. My annoyance is with the need for labels. Right. And it, right. and I didn't understand that when I was younger. I would just be like, why do these people got to call themselves this, that? Just like anybody, you know? But, and I'm not annoyed that these people feel a need to define themselves. I'm annoyed that the society makes them feel a need that they got to be that specific. Yeah. Just be like, I'm Jen, you know? It yeah. irritates yes. the fuck out of me. So, you know, I think at first I was coming from that type of a space of just like, Y'all got to do all that. Just do what you do, which to some degree mm-hmm. is true. But because that's what that's what we want. Right. I mean, like, that's real freedom. Right. So that's freedom. I totally understand that. Right. But then as I grew in my own queer identity, you know, and I'm dating a woman and and I, I'm really like living with women now and like figuring out those dynamics for myself. You know what I'm saying? And seeing the 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 vast differences in queer identities, I get why. I don't still necessarily feel like a need for me to do it. But now when I do hear some of those labels, I'm like, oh, that does make sense. Like masculine of sinner. Yeah, that is what I am when I think about it. I'm not, right. I'm not, you know, trans. I'm not feminine though. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm, you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. this does kind of land on the exact thing. You know what I mean? This makes sense to me now because I, and I think that came with me like understanding me and it's all growth. You know, that's why I always say like, 
it's so frustrating when I when I watch people pay comedians into like one thought because I'm like mm. oh, to to some large degree we're just like the pontificators man we're just thinking and we're playing with ideas so it's like what I think six months ago is probably not what I'm gonna think now and right. you heard a joke six months ago and you're like it was ignorant. It probably was because I wasn't experiencing things that I'm now experiencing. It definitely comes from ignorant and ignorance to some degree because people are all ignorant. And I'm just being vulnerable enough to share that I'm ignorant, you know, and then to kind of like sometimes have that shit turned back on you as a comic is shitty because you're like, yeah, oh, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. I know it all. I'm saying this is what I think right now, you know? in this space, yeah. in this time. So to some degree, it's also just that, like I just grew up in my queerness. You know, when I first started talking, I was a baby in my queer identity, you know? And now I feel like I'm like a grown up. So that also matters, I think. Yeah. And I think I think it's great that you you do it out loud. Like you do it, you model for us, like how you move from one thought to another, because I don't know, I've never been one to really be about canceling comedians or say, um, you know, shit that might seem offensive because I don't think comedians are like our politicians. They're not like, you know, it's not they're not at the same standard. Like I want I want my comedians to feel like they can experiment and kind of push because that's how we figure out where the boundaries really Dang. are. I mean, that's, that's what Richard Pryor was doing. That's, that's what George the, Carlin was that's doing. That's kind of the job. And when you start to make comics fearful of that, it's like, I don't think people realize how much they're like limiting what the, why this thing services society. Cause beyond right. that, that's what it's about, you know, beyond. Yeah. Cause my thing, my thing in general is like, let's not, Let's actually not hide uh, Gone with the Wind forever. Oh, like, no. Let's keep it. Let's keep it on TV, and then let's like contextualize it yes. and let's give voice to the people that hate Why it, and like let's hide it. Yeah, okay. like let's bring this shit out. You, you know, truth about everything and be transparent. But like, I don't get why people don't get that. It's so weird because people will understand that when it comes to relationships, like love mm. relationships, right? They're like, transparency is key. This is important. But it's like you don't you don't understand that this is just a bad relationship. Black people and white America and in, in America and white, it's a bad relationship, baby. That's been going mm -hmm. on for a very long time, but it is a full on relationship. We are entangled, bitch. We've been fucking, <laughs> we've been fighting. You know what I'm saying? We've been friends, we've been enemies. Yes, this is a relationship. <laughs> and you gotta it a, treat it as such. It's it's a very fucked up one. Well, it's something that I'm asking for my, something I'm asking just for my own, like that I'm trying to figure out how to do better is how like because you you really find that line in your work between like where the audience thinks you're going to go and where you actually go. And I could totally see some getcha motherfuckers taking some shit you said from back then and putting it and you haven't explained. How do you like how do you do that? Like as an artist, like, OK, I'm going to say the truth of the, about this. I'm going to say how I feel. Some people might not fuck with it and I don't care. Like, how do you how do you get yourself into that headspace? Uh, I had to take Twitter off my phone, so I don't, I'm not working. Uh, I'm not doing it well. I think I just got into this to tell the truth. And yeah. for me, if I'm not telling the truth, then there is no point. It feels bad. It doesn't feel authentic. It just, it feels yucky. And so it's like, 
I'm just going to be honest. And I feel like as long as I move in that and I'm not doing anything to win any grace with any particular group and I'm not doing anything to be liked in any space, I'm just telling you how I feel, then I will always be in a space to defend what I said. Right. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty. And I really, really, really love your special. It's actually like, if I'm being really honest, like it is the first time a Netflix special has made me laugh out loud. Uh, and my boyfriend, Rick, wants you to know that he loves you too. Oh, hey, bro. Uh, hey, boo. That's, that's cute. <laughs> we watched it together and thoroughly I enjoyed it. Rick looks um, like. You need to send me an email with a picture. I need to put a face. Okay, I'm going to send you an email with a picture, you know. Finally, as our last section, um, it's don't at me. I'm going to ask you three questions. You can say don't at me to one of them. I'm not trying to get anybody fired. Uh, so feel free to shoot me down if there's one you don't want to answer. Okay. Um, first question is, what are, in your opinion, what is it that white people are preparing so hard for? I, an inevitable, like uprising of some sort but it's like whatever's in their mind i think they're just preparing right they're like zombie apocalypse mudslide uh-huh. black uprise we will just be ready okay i like that and I, I tend to agree my 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 life partner is a white man as well and he's always preparing for they're just always getting ready and i don't know where that comes from i would really like to get into that but they're always getting like- ready when the pandemic struck, I was like, we have water, we have hand sanitizer, we have an earthquake preparedness kit, well, you know we have food. When you think about it, like if you like stole some people and you was like beating them all the time and then you was trying to go to sleep around them motherfuckers, you would be on you would have like to be a very prepared. Because you'd be like, at any moment, this shit could really go down. It's true. Actually, that's, these are all really salient points. Okay. You <laughs> joked <laughs> You joked about not wanting kids because of parents inevitably damaging their kids, which I'm also in agreement with. What would be the trait you're most afraid of passing on to your kid? I don't know. I don't think it's a trait. I just feel like I'm going to be way too uh, overbearing and hard on them. And I'm going to have these wild expectations. And I'm going to be like one of those parents that can't hide my disappointment. And I'm just going to, you know... I'm just, and I'm just like, I'm going to fuck this kid all the way up because I'm just going to be like, you need to be doing better. But like all the time. That's why I like having cats, because like if I'm damaging them psychologically, like I'll never. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> They're not going to tell me about it. Um, OK, so final one. Who is the most ridiculous SNL host that you've ever had to deal with? Don't ask me. <laughs> I finally got a don't at me. This is so exciting. Um, I've been asking too many softball questions. So thank you. Um, okay, and final thing we like to go out with is a note to self. Uh, is there some one thing that you would like to tell yourself when you were starting out from your point of view perspective now? Uh, every time you didn't get an opportunity, it wasn't because somebody was against you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing or yeah, crying? I'm I can't laughing because that's so funny that I thought that at the time. I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> it was like I'm so, thought, <laughs> it was like Jordan level psychotic where I just like like who did it on purpose <laughs> I feel that shit to this day so I don't know <laughs> so, so Jay this was a pleasure thank you for spending this time with me um, 
Check out Sam J's special on Netflix right the fuck now. It's fantastic. Um, and I hope to see more of you in the future. True. All right, now for the credits. Jason Smith, CEO of Starburns Audio, our producer. Jessica Gutierrez, audio engineer. Judith Cargbo, production coordinator. Chris Bowers did the theme song. Dominique German Macuzzo did additional music. And of course, producers and culture machiners, Aliyah Jihad and Brendan Smith. Starburns Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.